0: When we read the Christian scriptures, we believe we're doing more than just reading an ancient text. We believe that God actually speaks to us through these words. So let's take a moment to clear our minds and quiet our hearts so we can listen to God's word. Today's reading comes from the ancient prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. The prophet writes, The Lord God's spirit is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release for captives and liberation for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and day of vindication for our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for Zion's mourners, to give them a crown of beauty in places of ashes, oil of joy in place of mourning, a mantle of praise in place of discouragement. They will be called oaks of righteousness planted by the Lord to glorify himself.
1: Well, hi, everyone. If um, you don't know me, I'm Chuck. I'm one of the pastors here at NOVA. Uh, this summer, uh, our family vacationed in Florida. Um, we visited Katie's family, and we were in Tampa. One afternoon, we all went to the beach, and we stayed there until sunset. Now, of course, for those of you who don't know Florida geography, uh, Tampa is on the west coast of Florida, which um, is, looks out over the Gulf of Mexico. And so um, we sat there, and we watched... The sun set over the Gulf of Mexico. It's beautiful, pristine water. And the sky turned from blue to shades of gold and pink and deep, rich, dark blue. And the sun just kind of sank below the horizon. And as the sun disappeared, all the gathered beachgoers just kind of clapped. It was just this moment of deep beauty and um, mystery, wonder. Words really fail to kind of convey what was going on in my heart in that moment as I was watching the sun set, this deep sense of the abundance and mystery of the world, of life. I was moved in that moment by beauty. I want you to think back to a moment in your life when you have been moved by beauty. Maybe it was an experience of natural beauty, um, the ocean, forest, the mountains. Maybe it was uh, some kind of visual art, um, a painting or a sculpture, a photograph. Maybe it was a concert you attended or a meal that you ate that nourished more than just your body. A novel that you read that when you finished that last page, you couldn't, you just held it for a moment to say, wow, maybe it was a film that brought tears to your eyes. I want you to hold that memory in your mind and just think about how you've been moved by beauty. Today, we are continuing our vision series, looking for a sign. And we're unpacking our church's vision, which is to see signs of Christ's renewal in central Denver and beyond. Our core conviction here at NOVA is that Jesus is making all things new. And what does it look like when Jesus is at work bringing renewal? Well, it looks like these five signs. Can you guys hear me all right? I feel like I'm, okay. It looks like these five signs, community, beauty, justice, wholeness, And worship. These are qualities and values that we want to be true of our church. And two weeks ago, Katie spoke on community. Last Sunday, Talia Bultima preached on justice for us. Um, You can catch up on our website. There's all the sermons in this series so far. You can catch up on those if you'd like. Today, we're looking at beauty. Peter Kreeft, professor of philosophy at Boston College, said, Beauty is hard to define, but you know it when you see it. Mike, should I switch over to, to this mic? Okay. Check one. Can you hear me? Okay. Sorry. Peter Kreeft, a professor of philosophy at Boston College, said that beauty is hard to define, but you know it when you see it. There's something about beauty that stirs us, that awakens and compels us. The Christian scriptures tell a story of beauty. They tell how God made the world, made the world to be a good and beautiful place. And God made us to receive and reflect God's beauty. Another word that scripture uses for God's beauty is God's glory. God called us to be co-creators with God of the good and beautiful creation. But instead of making beauty with God, we grasped for a beauty without God. And so things turned ugly. Humankind chose dominance, violence, oppression, instead of God's way of beautiful, self-giving love. And So we lost ourselves. But God would not let that be the end of the story. God chose a people, called them and taught them how to live life with God, how to receive and reflect God's beauty, how to be co-creators of beauty with God. But they too failed. They chose selfishness instead of beauty, survival instead of God's way of self-sacrifice. And so God's people were taken into exile. This is where we catch up with tonight's scripture reading. In the aftermath of exile... In desolation and ruin, God speaks to his people and promises to send an anointed one who would trade their ashes for beauty. A few hundred years later, when Jesus arrived on the scene, this is the very passage of scripture that he used to announce himself, to announce his, his this was his manifesto declaring what he was going to be about, the work that he was going to be doing. In the world, God sent Jesus, the beautiful one, God's glory made visible and tangible. And now Jesus is inviting each of us to reclaim our calling as co-creators of beauty with God. Jesus invites each of us to reclaim our calling as co-creators of beauty with God. Now, throughout the history of Western culture, philosophers have talked about three transcendentals, truth, goodness, and beauty, usually in that order, truth leading to goodness leading to beauty. I think this this priority on rational thinking is is most clearly expressed by Descartes when he said, I think, therefore, I am. The essence of what it means to be human is to, to think, The rational mind. Now, Kurt Thompson, a neuroscientist in his book, The Soul of Desire, flips this on its head. He references one of the most significant Roman Catholic theologians of the 20th century, Hans Urs von Balthasar, who argued that this way of thinking has it all backwards. Now, buckle up, because this is dense. (laughs) How can we actually how we sorry let me start over how we actually live requires a reversal of the order in which we approach the three transcendentals so that beauty is first followed by goodness which is followed by truth why because before we think as humans we must first encounter things with our senses and indeed This is how the brain works, says the neuroscientist. First we sense, and then we make sense of what we sense. Moreover, beauty is what attracts us to goodness in the first place. And being immersed in the beautiful and the good necessarily enables us to comprehend what is true. So to say that again... We start with beauty. That's what the claim is. We start with beauty. This beauty leads us to goodness. And then beauty and goodness lead us to truth. Kurt Thompson says, this is the way the brain actually works. Before we can think a thought, we first encounter the world through our five senses. And Thompson actually goes a bit further and he he talks about how sensing beauty taking it in, actually has the ability to heal and rewire our brains. I don't have time to get into that, but read the book, The Soul of Desire. It's awesome. Okay? Now, I'm going to recognize right now the irony of me standing up here talking about beauty and just like pouring information over your heads, and I'm sorry about that. I wanted to pause and allow us some time to take in some beauty. So I want to share... Just a few kind of notable paintings, works of art. This is Girl with Pearl Earring by Vermeer, one of the most well-known paintings in art history. This is The Starry Night Over the Rhone by Van Gogh. This is David's, or this is Michelangelo's David. And this is a piece by Makoto Fujimura. It's called the Four, Ho- the Four Holy Gospels. Beauty is sensual. We receive it through our five senses. We see it, hear it, taste it, touch it, and smell it. It's rooted in our experience and perception of the material universe. And yet, ironically, beauty evokes transcendence. Beauty is a sign. In a culture that sees the world as a closed system, that sees the material world as all there is, beauty is a voice that whispers in our ears, there's more to see it evokes within us a sense of the transcendence of the sacred. I want to read this quote from Simone Weil, French philosopher and political activist. In everything which gives us the pure, authentic feeling of beauty, there really is the presence of God. There is, as it were, an incarnation of God in the world, and it is indicated by beauty. The beautiful is experimental proof that the incarnation is possible. For many people in our culture, natural beauty and the beauty of art are the only spaces where they encounter transcendence. Beauty is this sign that points to the presence of God in our world. The other day I visited the Denver Art Museum for the first time, Um, I came across this quote on the wall. It says, beauty has depth. Beauty attracts, yet it is neither superficial nor dependent on appearances alone. It can cause wonder and inspire us to see the world anew. Beauty is related to a reality that goes deeper than the surface level. We all intuit that, right? Makoto Fujimura, um, we saw his beautiful abstract just a minute ago, he is um, a Christian artist, a Japanese-American Christian artist, and in his book, Art and Faith, he writes this. Beauty is not essential for survival in a Darwinian sense. Many have argued that the reason that we have this innate drive towards beauty is to attract and be attracted to mates. Basically, it all boils down to sex. But under such a statement is the utility mindset, a presupposition that because the world must be mechanistically driven towards the survival of the fittest, beauty must subject its function to fit that presupposition. This model trains us to make decisions based on what will help us survive in an environment of limited resources. But beauty is connected to sacrifice, more than the superficial look of how we may seem to the outside world. To give your life away as Jesus has done is truly the opposite of the Darwinian, of Darwinian survival. Beauty invokes the new creation precisely because it may be unnecessary for survival in the old creation. Without beauty, the gospel will not change the world. I want you to take a moment to think of Jesus. Isaiah, the prophet who we read earlier, prophesied saying he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him take a moment to think of the crucifixion there's few things in human history more ugly or hideous the ultimate mixture of human creativity and human cruelty at their worst and most grotesque and yet has any scene been portrayed more often in the whole history of western art or even the whole history of art in the world. In the midst of all of that ugliness and horror, there is beauty to find there too. Actually, the church has always known that beauty at its truest is revealed there. Because at the cross, we see a God who doesn't stand far off, but a God who enters the horror, who suffered the very worst we had to offer, to heal and renew us and our world, to exchange our ashes for beauty. Friends, beauty is a sign of God's presence, and we were made to receive and reflect God's beauty. And Jesus is calling each of us to be co-creators of beauty with God. And so here's a question I want to leave you all with tonight before we have our time of reflection. What is the next beautiful thing you want to create? What is the next beautiful thing you want to create? Each week in this series we're taking up a practice, and tonight's practice is just simply receiving beauty. I'm going to read this by the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush a fire with God. And only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. The invitation in receiving beauty is to to slow down, to pause, to slow down enough to perceive the beauty around us, to recognize it and take it in, to receive it as a gift from the hand of God, to receive it as a sign of God's presence with us.